Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You guys may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Can we give it up for our worship leader, Isabella, this morning? Man, I am super thankful to be in front of you guys this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Pastor JR. I'm the youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. Happy to see all of your beautiful faces, and I would be remiss to not give honor where honor is due, first to the great eldership team that we have here at the Building Christian Fellowship. For those of you guys who are at the DTC intensive this weekend, it got intense. But one of the things that strengthens my faith, one thing that, uh, that gives me, I call it a wink from God, basically like, I got your back kind of thing, to be able to see and give honor to my pastor in the house this morning. So it's great to be here. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about hope, hope and hope. If you guys haven't been paying attention, there's a little bit of a, there's a, little bit of a way we're going, all right? I know how many people were blessed by hearing how to unleash hope in our church from Pastor John and Pastor Kai last week. Super great. And we're gradually going to get bigger and bigger with our, our, our study and bigger and bigger with the topic we're going to be talking about. So we kind of started off um, unleashing hope in our families and in our marriages, right? Then we went from unleashing hope in our careers. Then we went from unleashing hope in our church. But this morning, I would like us to talk about how we can unleash hope in our communities. Now, I, I spent some time, you know, this has been a busy week, if I can just be transparent, Teaching earlier this week, my wife went down sick. I know there's a lot of people out sick right now. But teaching this week, I was just praying to God, like, God, how do I approach this topic of unleashing hope in our communities? Now, naturally, you know, we're not just pulling this topic out of there. We've been following the hope quotient, and it talks a lot about, you know, us, by, by spreading the good news, we should start off by spreading goodwill or good works, by, by doing for the community before we spread the good news. And I agree with that to an extent, and I'm all with that. But I've come to the realization of this. Unleashing hope in our communities happens when we live like we're convinced we have laid on to hope. And last time I checked, you don't need a physicist, you don't need Neil deGrasse Tyson to tell you that you can't unleash something that you don't have a hold on to. That's what becomes the thing. And I'm not here to discourage you. I'm not here to try to tell you that you're doing a bad job as as a Christian, but like... My, my dear brother, cousin, Pastor Donald always says, I'm here to discourage you from being discouraged and encourage you to be encouraged. It's an encouragement this morning. See, the church isn't just for us to come and feel good. The church is for us to be equipped to do the work of ministry. And, and when I look out here and I think about communities, I'm not just thinking about the community of Susum, but when I look out at all these different people, different backgrounds, different skin colors, that there's more than just a community of Susun that's represented just here in our congregation. And I realized that 
it's not just the job of one person or one pastor to spread out to all these different communities, but we've all been given the mandate to spread this hope that we've, we've claimed to have experienced. And so today, the best that I could ever do as a preacher, as a pastor, is not come up with good ideas to tell you, not just to make up things for you to feel good, but always to go back to the word of God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to turn to John chapter four. John chapter four. We're going to start in verse 39. Now, your homework is to go back and read this for yourself because it's a great story. There's a lot of nuggets that we can take out of it. But how many people have heard of the Samaritan woman at the well? Big story, the Samaritan woman at the well. So let's talk about this. We're we're reading about her story because I believe this woman that that had a bad track record, that that didn't really have the best, I don't know the word I want to look for to kind of be PC, you know what I'm saying? But she was out there. She's low-key in them streets, but we we ain't going to go that far. She had a bad reputation, and yet a loving God showed up in spite of her situation, in spite of her behavior, and gave her the opportunity to be saved. So let's talk about it. John chapter 4, we're going to start from verse 39. I'm in the NLT. If you're looking up there and like, "Uh, your words don't match my words, what Bible are you reading? But John chapter 4, verses 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Listen to this, you guys. Not just because of what you told us, Sammy the Samaritan, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now, somebody say now. Now Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. We know that he's indeed the savior of the world. Now, let's talk about this woman for a second. This, This woman, like I said before, didn't really have a good track record, didn't really have a good reputation. If you read earlier on in John chapter 4, it says that she had went to the well in the heat of the day. Now, that wasn't regular for women at that time. Generally, what women did is they went in the morning, in the cool of the morning where it wasn't too hot, in a group of women so that they could safely travel to where they needed to go. But for some reason, a lot of theologians and scholars think like, why would this woman, this Samaritan woman, travel by herself in the middle of the heat of the day? She's trying to go so that she wouldn't be seen by all the other people. He's trying to travel in a way that, you know, I have this bad track record. If you guys read before, Jesus kind of busts her out a little bit. He's like, hey, go tell your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five. And the dude that you're with isn't your husband. Like, dang, Jesus. Why you got to cut so deep? She's married five times, and the guy, the guy that she was with at the time wasn't her husband. Here's the beautiful part about it. In spite of her testimony... In spite of the shame that she's brought to herself, in spite of the dark place she possibly has gotten to, I mean, how much more hopeless can you be? Like, I don't even want to be around people I've done so bad. I don't even want people to see my face because my reputation has been tarnished because of what I've done. Here's the beautiful part that I think we kind of skip over a lot of times. When she says, he told me everything I ever did. Everything. Everything. Not just the thing that people sing, but everything that she ever did. Now, I know for me, I can't speak for everybody else. There's probably only one person outside of me and Jesus that might know everything that I ever did. And that's Erica Butcher, my wife. 
But even with the closest person in my life, Jesus, she may have seen all the things I've done or all the things that I've told her that I've done, but Jesus sees me down to my heart. He doesn't see the things that I've done, but he sees the things that I've thought. So here's what becomes the thing. We have a savior that saw everything that you could have ever done, everything that you would have ever did, and still offered you salvation. Not because of what you've done, not because of the things that you could have put together, but he offered you salvation in spite of yourself. Here becomes the thing. And how we have to stand on this truth as Christians, as believers, when we go out into our communities. God sees you exactly as you are and loves you enough to not leave you as you are. What the, what the world will try to tell you is like, well, well, okay, we'll say that there's a God, but God loves you exactly as you are. That's not what real love is. Real love will tell you the truth. Real love will tell you, yeah, I know you had five husbands, and the dude that you're with right now isn't your husband. But in spite of that, come and drink from a well that never runs dry. I know you're thirsty. I know you've been trying relationship after relationship, thing after thing, sin after sin. But let me tell you something for this morning to encourage you guys, to remind you guys, those of you guys that have been saved for a long time, is that we drink from a well that never runs dry. That's the beautiful thing of this gospel. That's the beautiful thing that we place our hope in. We don't place our hope in in a thing that is yet to be proven. The Bible talks about in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When the Bible talks about evidence and substance, substance and evidence, it's talking about something that has already been proven. How many people took chemistry in high school? Or maybe in college, I don't know. Some might have went to college. I didn't take chemistry. I took biology. That was it. But I was listening to a theologian I love to listen to when I'm doing my study time. I was talking to Atira and Pastor Donald about it. Dr. Jake Vernon McGee, right? Real old guy. He'd be like, and the word of God. Like, I don't know how I listen to him, but anyways. I just do. Like, his, his voice gets, I don't know. I don't know. But what he was talking about is if you're in a chemistry class, a lot of times you, you put different things together in a test tube to figure out and prove something that it already is. So you're not trying to prove that God is faithful. He already is faithful. You guys following me? Our faith, I said the F word during a hope series. Our faith, our faith is, is what happens after the proof has already shown up. When we look at Peter, everybody knows Peter, right? When Peter did one of his greatest feats, when he walked on water, how did he do it? He didn't have the aptitude to walk on water. He didn't know how to walk on water. He saw his Savior, tested, tried, true, and proven, and said, Lord, if, you bid, if, if it be your will, bid me to come. What did Jesus say? Come on. Once the word went forth, he was able to operate in faith. Once the word went forth, he was able to operate in faith. Listen, the hope that we have isn't the type of hope where, man, I'm going to go jump off this cliff and hopefully God catches me. God is like, no, the bridge has already been made. I need you to walk across this bridge. Let's not act like we don't know the hope that we hold on to. 
That this knowledge that we have of our loving, uh, our loving God isn't from just speculation and a dreamy thought like, well, I had a dream about God and this is what I kind of think of what, he, what he's like. No, faith comes by knowledge. It comes by knowing. It comes by relationship with him. That in this moment, rather than Jesus trying to offer her, I don't know, just something that everybody else would have, you know, he offered her an embrace. He offered her a relationship with him. Because you go earlier on in John chapter 4, verses 14, it says this. It says, but whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst. But here's the kicker. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I'm not going to leave you alone. This, this, this encounter that, that I've given you in this moment, when you first met Jesus, it wasn't just for this moment. This was, this was a union. This was a marriage between you and, and, and the bridegroom, between you and Jesus. And this is what we have to recognize is that if we're going to continue to hold on to hope, we have to make sure that we are cultivating our relationship with God. Stop, stop guessing at the hope that we have. Let's go back to verse 40. It says, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not because of what you said, for, our, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the, that Christ, the Savior of the world. That listen, I know there's a lot of people in our families we might have friends that we've been trying to witness to and been trying to witness to and been trying to witness to. And I know we kind of feel like the solution is like, well, maybe if I just bring them to church, they can experience the presence of God. We don't serve a God that's, that's secluded to one spot. We don't serve a God that's pinned to this altar right here. That if you read earlier on in John chapter 4, there's going to come a day where it's not going to matter where you worship. It's going to be the ones that worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So rather than waiting for you to invite your friend to church, how about you bring the church to them and bring the presence of God to them and bring the, 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 the presence of God with them? I'm not, I'm not going to live my life like my hope is just in a place. My hope is in a person. And he said, if I abide in him, that he'll abide in me. I trust him with everything. I trust him, not just with the things that I can't handle, but the things that I think that I can handle. That's living a life convinced. That if we're going to unleash hope on a community, having a grasp on this hope is by having a relationship with this hope. Isabella didn't even know what I was preaching today, and she chose the perfect song. She's like, how about hunger? I'm like, bet. <laughs> and as I come to a close, yeah, wisdom, come on up. I want to give you guys a verse. Yeah, yeah, give it up for her. Give it up for her. For those that have had a relationship with God, that have had a knowledge of God, and feel like their hope is slipping, I want to give you guys a verse before we go. It reads in Titus chapter 3, verses 3. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his, his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. I want to clear the air of doubt this morning. I want to clear the air of, well, I think that I might be saved. What well, kind of have, I, I, I know the scripture a little bit. I, I think that I might have a relationship with God. No, you'll know. You'll know by your actions. And listen, I'm not trying to preach to you perfectness without Christ. I'm not trying to preach to you, just have more faith. How can we have faith without God's word? How can we have faith without a relationship with God? How can we do anything that God has called us to do without his spirit? So as we all stand to our feet, this morning I offer you living water. This morning I offer you to drink from a well that never runs dry. Men, I know we can kind of separate ourselves from the scripture when we read that it's a woman going through something, but believe it or not, you're represented in this, this, this young woman's story. That you might not have had five husbands, you might not have had five wives, that there might be five of something that you're going on to the sixth. I don't need to call it out. I don't need to try to convince you. But I believe because of God's word, that his spirit leads us into all righteousness. And this next step that I'm going to ask you to do can't be done without God's help. I had said before that unleashing hope in our communities happens when we live like we're convinced we have laid on to hope. Notice I didn't say that we found hope. Hope found us. We didn't choose to love God. God loved us first. We serve a faithful God. We serve a trustworthy God. So if you're here this morning and you're tired of grasping at things that, you, that, you, that you've consumed, that, that leave you empty, I want you to come and drink from a well that never runs dry. Whether you've been in church all your life, you know, the Bible front to back, whatever it might be, if you want to drink from this well that never runs dry, I want you to come down to the altar. This is what becomes a step. The funny thing about it, <laughs> the funny thing about it is that if we don't live a life that's convinced that, that our hope is placed in Jesus, we're convinced in something. We're convinced that we think that we know what's best. And that's sin. That's falling short. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment. Judgment will come, but he is offering us grace. He is offering us for our lives to be swept clean. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move. not just the message this morning that saved you. It's the relationship with God that's going to save you. 
My job as a pastor, as a preacher, as an elder of this church, and no matter what ministry I serve in, is to always point you to Christ. That's where the well is. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move. Is there anybody else? Praise God. For those of you that are up here, it's okay to tell the truth about your situation. think about a surgeon, the only way for him to do surgery is if the area is exposed. We're in desperate need of a heart fix. May pastor's testimony be a, a physical representation of what God does in our hearts. Pastor had to be cracked open in order for them to work on his heart. This exposure is the truth. And this is how the operation begins. It begins with repentance. It's, it's coming to not just a head knowledge of what you've done, but saying in your heart, you know what, Lord, I've made a mistake. I've fallen short. Everything that I could have done up to this point, it wasn't of you. And I want to turn to what you have for me. Because I believe that you are the one that is faithful. So Heavenly Father, I pray over all these souls here, God. The ones that have found themselves desperate. The ones that have found themselves lacking. The ones that have found themselves like they don't have enough, Lord God. I am praying, Lord God, that you reveal yourself as the fulfiller of souls. That you reveal yourselves as the only one that can make us whole, God. God, I am praying that they are reminded this morning that rather than feeling the full wrath of your judgment, God, that you offer them your love and your grace. So I come against any condemnation, Lord God. God, I come against any despair. That it doesn't matter what they have done up to this point, but they can experience a new life in you, God. God, you've brought us from death to life. That we recognize that the same spirit that you'll deposit on the inside of us is the same spirit that you rose, that rose you from the dead. So God, I am praying new life over these people. God, I am praying renewed minds over these people. God, I am praying for, for, for new hearts for these people, God. That life may have hardened their heart. Life may have made them stony to everything, every single situation, Lord God. But I am praying a new heart in Jesus' name. God, make us more aware of your presence. That we recognize that your presence does not just rest on this altar, but it rests on the inside of us. God, I am praying that we can be your temples this morning. The place where the Spirit of God dwells. So God, when we go into our communities, when we go into our jobs, when we go into our schools, God, your presence goes with us. That people can experience your presence wherever we go. Because we are led by you. That we live a life like we're convinced that you are the hope of the world. So God, we thank you for this new life. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a praise? Matter of fact, 
Can we give God a praise like we're convinced? I'm talking to everybody, but I'm specifically talking to y'all, okay? Here's what becomes the testimony. He told me everything that I ever did. This is why I didn't close out the rest of the scripture. She went back to communities and told the people, I found the Messiah. I found the hope of the world. That's your task. Each and every one of you, that's your task. You want to see the kingdom grow? It starts with you. You want to see the church grow? It starts with you. Well, JR, what about the toy giveaway? That is only an expression of the generosity that God has given to us. That is only an expression of the kindness that God has given us. That's only an expression of the love that God has given us. I'm quoting Donald all day. Every day is Christmas, bruh. He didn't say bruh. But keep that in mind. If you want to take a practical step, go home and write down your testimony in detail. Yeah, I heard it. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Yes, oh, Jesus. He saw all that and still said she was worth it. That's the beauty of the cross. Jesus died a long time ago, saw from the beginning from the end, was like, worth it. So don't think that you're not. Don't allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life and give you lies. Amen, amen. Go back to your guys' seats. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If all needs have been met, we recognize that unleashing hope in our communities by having a grasp on the hope that we want to unleash. That hope is Jesus. With that comes the joy that we need to spread for the Christmas toy drive giveaway. With that comes the kindness. With all that, you know, you want to know if you're really saved? When fruits of the Spirit start to show up. That's why I say it's only an expression of what God has done on the inside of us. May our good works be a reflection of the good work that God has done in us. So I'm praying, listen, I've learned this year, it's been a long year, that when you guys go home and write your testimony, you get a little sad, it's okay for you to reflect. But to trust God even in that, amen? So if all needs have been met, listen, we got a dream team meeting after service. You want to go and say, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. This be a great vehicle for you to do it. So, as we pray and head out, but we can all stand to our feet. Since we're doing benedictions again. Repeat after me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with God, you guys. See you guys on Tuesday or at the meeting after service.